Modern Mind Huff Podcast. I am your host, Richard Huffman, expert in all things Modern Mind Huff, Red Army Faction. Um, we talk about student radicalism, left-wing German terrorism of the 1970s, and other related ephemera. It's the only podcast devoted to, yet unaffiliated with, the Modern Mind Huff group. And um, today we're going to talk about some amazing news that came out of Germany about um, sort of the Ur incident that that started all of the left-wing German terrorism. Um, and I'll get to that in just a minute, but a little bit of stuff to catch up on. Um, one thing um, I was watching that, that is interesting to, interesting to people who are as fascinated with this goofy subject as I am, is I was watching Netflix last night, and I was watching, and I like PBS shows and I like BBC shows and they had a masterpiece theater um, movie on that came out last year that I had missed that that looked really interesting. It was called Any Human Heart, um, starring Jim Broadbent and and others, and it's sort of the life of this British writer from like the 1920s through the 90s and and how he's sort of examining his life and stuff. And it, it's actually really good and interesting it's like a mini series it's like six hours long and about four and a half hours into it all of a sudden um jim broadbent joins the socialist patients collective and goes on a run for the botter meinhof group it was the craziest thing ever i was like completely on not expecting it and it was um awesome <laughs> um and it's obviously fictionalized and they created a sort of um uh, a non-existent London branch of the SPK, but still it was fun. That part of the movie was kind of played a little bit for laughs, but it was still um, surprising as I could ever imagine. I had no, no idea I would ever see that in a masterpiece theater thing. So anyway, I wrote a little article about it on my website. It's in the resources section under movies. So feel free to read that and you can watch it right now if you have Netflix instant. And I guess if you're in the U S I don't think that's available in the UK. Uh, also, I wanted to say that I was, I'm reading a new book called The Red Army Faction Blues um, by Adrian Wilson, who I've corresponded with, and it's really great, and I'm going to be interviewing him shortly about it. Um, it's sort of a fiction, I'm not very far into it, but it's sort of a fictionalized account of Kommune Eins and the and how, um, and, and um, Peter Green, the legendary co-founder of Fleetwood Mac, and all these things that were going on, this milieu at the time, and it's super, super fun and, and cool. And, and I'm looking forward to finishing over the next couple of days. A um, couple of quick thank yous. One to David over in Scotland, who's been helping me tag a bunch of my newspaper articles for my site. Oh, thank thank you so much. It, it I desperately appreciate it, and I think it ha will help others who are researching this particular subject. And again, if anybody else wants to help out, please just contact me through the website, through the contact form. And it doesn't take long. I'm not asking for a lot. If you have time and are interested in this subject, it can be really cool. I'm just looking for people to help read a bunch of these English language newspaper articles and, and uh, tag them with the appropriate tags. Um, and then the other thank you, relates to today's subject. I want to thank uh, Mark in New York and his wife, who apparently found this original article. Um, they sent me, he sent me an article today from um, the English language version of Der Spiegel. And it was talking about um, a new investigation that they conducted with, uh, I think, a prosecutor's office into the shooting death of Benno Onazork 
in um, 1967 and some new analysis they did. So, um, so and, and it's, it's kind of stunning. And in fact, this article casts considerable doubt on the official story. It, it proves that the West German police um, engaged in a fairly large cover-up. And it also provides some evidence that, that possibly proves possibly that, um, that, uh, Karl Heinz Kuras, the man who killed Ben Onazorg shot him deliberately. This is stunning, stunning news 45 years after this incident happened. So what was this incident? We'll, we'll just backtrack a little bit. Um, what we're talking about is a, is a riot that took place on June 2nd, 1967 in Berlin. It was, um, it was a riot, like it was a student protest initially to protest um, the visit of of uh, the Shah of Iran and his wife who were visiting Berlin as part of this big official thing. And students were appalled because because the Shah of Iran was killing his own people. He he had um, he he was a bad guy as we know. He's put in office by the CIA and and I mean the the actually I think the British, but it, but he was he was he was no great royalty that should have been faded these students believed so they were protesting him and he was at the he was um he was attending with the mayor of berlin a performance i think the magic flute by mozart at the deutsche opera house on bismarckstrasse i think in um in in berlin and the protesters had been kept across the street and we're talking about street we're talking about like a street like 10 lanes wide. I mean, it was very far across the street and they were kept behind barricades to protest. In fact, they're so far away, it's likely the Shah never actually saw them protesting. Um, but the police kept him at bay and then the police allowed a bunch of pro-Shah um, protesters, these Iranians, to go over and just start beating on the protesters. And when they were done, then the police went in and they employed what they called the liverwurst technique where the protesters were all lined up along the sidewalk and hemmed in by these, um, by these, uh, these barriers. And they started beating them in the middle and forcing them to spill out off to the sides where more police were waiting to beat them with truncheons. I mean, it was just, they were just there beating them. It was, um, appalling. There's, there's little other way to describe what had happened because it was uh, entirely unprovoked. And in the confusion, uh, a young pacifist, theology student who was attending his first protest and um somehow he ended up on a side street in this little courtyard and um and then he got shot in the head by this uh police officer named named uh, Karl Heinz Kuras who um claimed you know he was being like put upon by by tons of protesters and he was alone and he shot him in self-defense and um and it can't possibly be overstated how important the killing of Ben Onazorg is when you're thinking about the development of left-wing terrorism and radicalism in the 1970s. It's, it's as I said before, it, this is the Ur incident. Uh, you, you cannot imagine much of the tragedy that happened later without this you know, helping prompt it. And, you, and, it's, and sometimes you think, I wonder if some of this stuff would have happened had this had the shooting of Onazorg not happened because, because it became the rallying point for them. He was their martyr. It became the rallying point. So, 
um, you know, and it, it directly gave rise to the Bader Meinhof group. In fact, um, Gudrun Enslin, who was the founder and, and co-leader of the group, was she, she she I think she was at the protest. And, and after the um, incident, you know, after the killing of Onozark, she stumbles into the Berlin SDS officer. It might have been the next day. And she's screaming. Somebody had secretly taped this and you hear her screaming. This is um, this is the Auschwitz generation. There's there's nothing stopping them. We need to meet violence with violence. I mean, it, this was the defining moment instantly for her that told her, I got to stop trying to be part of the system and I need to attack them. They are fascist and we need to attack them in the only way they understand. I mean, that's that's and 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 within a year she had tried to burn down a department store within three years. You know, the Bader Meinhof group had been founded and was running amok all over Germany. So, and then the other group um, that was very directly inspired by this was a group named after this incident, the June 2nd movement. And, and I personally, you know, have a, have a great deal of um, connection to that. Or, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I certainly um, have strong feelings towards this group because these are the people that tried to or came close to killing my mother and father. Although I, I ended up interviewing the gentleman, Bami Bauman, who was their chief bomb maker. Um, and and it's pretty clear that, um, that sorry to take a quick break there, um, Bami Bauman was their chief bomb maker. And during my interview with him, I start to realize, oh, this is the guy that made the bombs that almost killed my parents. But, you know, listening to the interview with him, it's pretty clear he was at the, the riot that day, too. In fact, he met Ona Zorg earlier in that day while he was working at, um, I think, the SDS office. I'm not, I can't totally remember. But um, it's pretty clear, you know, talking to him, how important this incident was and, and why they chose that name, because this is when they were attacking us and we wanted it, we wanted it clear. So it's, it's incredibly important, this incident, that, that, you know, so many things sprang from this killing of, of him. So, um, so anyway, um, the, they, uh, in the years that followed the incident, Chorus was actually tried, I think, twice um, I, in 67 and 71 for this, you know, he was charged with manslaughter, I think it was. And he ended up being acquitted because he claimed self-defense and, and they never disproved it. And um, he ended up retiring from the police force in, in 87. But, but two years ago, the entire incident came roaring back to the forefront when, when um, a researcher discovered that Kuras was, in fact, during this time period, a spy for the SED, which is the German, East German Communist Party. He was a East German spy. And, um, and conspiracy theorists went nuts, um, especially on the right, because they were thinking, well, this is proof that the, the, um, that the East German government was trying to destabilize the West Germany by ordering this guy to, ordering Kuras to shoot a protester. Although, but there wasn't actually much um, proof of it two years ago, because it, it just proved that he was a spy. And, and in actuality, West Germany at the time was filled with literally thousands of East German spies, people working on behalf of the East German government. In fact, um, Ben uh, um, uh, Bauman himself told me when he first went over to East Germany um, and he, he goes across the border and the East German police grab him and start talking to him, it's pretty clear that they know 
everything about him, <laughs> everything, because they had so many spies in the police department, in the, in 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 all aspects of public life in the West that they had extensive files on these folks. Um, so the fact that he was a spy was shocking, but I don't think it necessarily proved anything. It certainly didn't prove this weird theory that that. And at the time, I was thinking a, a weird theory that that somehow they had a guy there and they told them, you know, if a riot ever happens, randomly shoot somebody because that will destabilize something. I mean, it just it, it was bizarre. It it, it 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 sounded weird. So what did the Spiegel report that was in today's Der Spiegel um, say? Well, it turns out there's a lot of new details that I've never heard before and nobody else has ever heard before. One is there was clearly a massive, massive cover-up immediately following um, the shooting. Kuras was effectively like hidden from view from the press and from anybody immediately after the, the shooting as the police and others went about just systematically trying to cover it up. And in many ways, almost ham-handedly and stuff. It was so ham-handed that only now you're realizing how ham-handed it was. One was when they took... Um, Onozor's body to the um, Moabit hospital morgue where they were looked at him. The first thing he did was remove parts of his skull and kind of sewed it back up. So it would look like he wasn't shot, but in fact, he was beaten by something who knows what. And in fact, the, um, the uh, attending physician reported that he didn't die from a gunshot wound, that he died from a blunt force trauma, which I guess you could call a bullet but it, but but clearly they were trying to imply something else and now he says that he was directly ordered to do that by his superior and um and it is kind of ridiculous because they had like dozens of witnesses to see that he was shot it it, it was crazy and clearly immediately thereafter cura said no, no i i shot him so so it was just like clearly ham-handed um but other things they pointed out too cura had always maintained Hey, I was alone in the alley and I was being menaced by a mob. Well, they part of this investigation was they took almost all the extant photos and video and um, film of the time, enhanced it as best they could. They found photos that had never been examined before. And they found that, A, they have a photo of him literally while he's shooting Onazorg or just before it. And far from being alone, he actually has, has his, his right hand as the gun and his left hand is on the shoulder of another police officer. I mean, it was a complete lie. There was actually three other police officers there with him that that um, nobody's ever, they were never questioned, never investigated. Apparently all these police officers, after um, Onazor got shot, they, they jumped on Onazor and started beating him with truncheons, which is insane and awful, but they've never been questioned and nobody's actually sure who in fact they are. Um, Kouras's, Kouras's uh, boss claimed he was at he didn't know any of this was going on this was totally separate but now they have a photo showing them like together right around the time of the incident so clearly his boss was lying um and uh so but so what so what was the grand conspiracy well the grand conspiracy you know really put into the forefront a couple of years ago that that is at the forefront of people's mind is that is that the the east german people or police put him up, or the East, I'm sorry, the, the SED party um, put Kouras uh, up to this in this part of their generalized campaign to destabilize West Germany. Basically, they said, you know, shoot a protester at one of these things and get the, the left riled up. 
And, um, and, you know, and that's not so far-fetched when you think about it, because the East Germans, um, they, they were constantly doing stuff, not like this, but stuff to destabilize things. They were, they would fund all kinds of left-wing projects in the West. One, one famous example was in the very late fifties and early sixties, they funded almost wholly, um, this magazine or this kind of student newspaper called the student courier, which was this very left-wing kind of radical newspaper magazine geared towards students um, that was founded by Ulrika Meinhof's husband and Ulrika Meinhof was the editor and it simply couldn't exist without the East Germans funding it almost wholly. But later they would, they would start printing stuff in the newspaper that their East German masters didn't like. So they pulled the funding and, and in the end, um, uh, the, um, um, Klaus Rainer Roll, who was the publisher, ended up um, inserting like naked pictures of naked women, and and he uh, ended up dramatically increasing the circulation. But the fact is that newspaper was founded and and um, and kept going in its early years by East Germany, and it was clear it was part of their generalized efforts to 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 keep things more destabilized or at least more radical in the West than, than it might have otherwise been. So is it that big of a stretch? I guess that the argument would be that they might have instructed one of their police officers that was one of their spies to say, if you get in a situation like this, shoot somebody. Um, I don't know. I'm not necessarily convinced, but what this particular examination and the articles I've read today about it um, suggests is that is that you know looking at the photos he th there was no giant mob there he was alone i mean he i mean he was um he was in uh, he was not being menaced kuras was not necessarily being menaced by a bunch of people um apparently the photo shows him pretty calmly shooting um onazorg and i certainly want to see this photo that apparently they're not releasing it or haven't released it and um if it was premeditated as they're implying that it, that these photos might very well show, as opposed to some kind of crazed situation where it accidentally went off, um, then you would have to ask yourself why? Why would he shoot somebody? What was what was going on in his mind that would cause him to do it? Is it in fact his East German master saying, "Listen, if you get in a situation like this, shoot somebody." That's that's possible, I guess. And I guess you 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 just have to have to see it. Um, an incident that happened a couple of years ago, I think, in San Francisco at the uh, the was it San Francisco or Oakland police at the Bay Area Rapid Transit Station. They had some guy um, or a bunch of people sitting on the platform that they had arrested and were like, um, I, I think they were in custody and a cop shot one of them and killed them. And it was pretty clear the cop was just walking along with their hand on a trigger and did not mean to shoot this person, but absolutely shot and killed this person. And um, and that's what I've always thought was kind of what happened with Chorus. He's sitting there with his gun, his hand on a trigger and, and he just shoots him accidentally. Um, but according to Spiegel in these photos, that's not exactly what these photos look like and what they reveal. So, um, so anyway, there's prosecutors that are, that conducted this investigation with them with the idea of perhaps reopening and trying Kuras again, 45 years 
later after this incident with new evidence. They sort of imply that it's very unlikely this will happen, but um, God, I certainly would like to see these photos and see what they in fact show. Um, I, by nature, am very resistant to conspiracies. I'm not a big believer in the 9-11 conspiracies or aliens or JFK conspiracies. And, and even to the chagrin of a lot of my readers and listeners, the Stammheim conspiracies, I just don't believe them. All right, you have to give me a lot more proof. But a lot of what I'm reading about today is just really intriguing and interesting. And I, I certainly look forward to seeing how this progresses. So Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And again, if you have any thoughts or comments, please feel free to send drop me a line through the contact um, section of my website. And if you listen to and enjoy this podcast, definitely go to iTunes and give me a nice five-star review. It will always be free. I will never charge for it. Thanks again.